You can stay on that same page as we move over to look at our sermon text for this morning coming from Ephesians 4. Um, Let me remind us where we are, uh, why we're studying this. We are in the middle of a vision series where, um, as we did this last year, we've done it before, and we'll probably do this on a yearly basis, um, have a little refresher time on who we are, where we're going, what our vision is, so that we can continue to grow in that together. And that it's not just words on a page. And to help you follow along, if you will, in this Our Vision section in the very first page of your worship folder, this has kind of been the outline of what we've been looking at. Um, These three lines, to pursue renewal and healing for all the people and places of Birmingham through gospel ministry in word and deed. And these are answers to the three questions. Why are we here? Who are we called to serve? And how are we going to accomplish our mission? Our mission and our vision. So we have done two. This is the last one. This is the third sermon in this series. And we are looking at the how question this morning. How are we going to accomplish our vision? And what we say here is through gospel ministry in word and deed. And I promise I'm going to read the passage, so if you feel like I've forgotten it, don't get anxious. But I do want to say this first. This is a, uh, in some ways this seems like the most simple concept, to um, that we are going to pursue our vision in both word and deed. Um, And in some ways it is. However, there, I took a little stroll through Gospel Coalition, and uh, if you know what that is, and Facebook this week. And I looked up um, just how different people in churches articulate this idea of doing ministry in word and deed. And there were a lot of articles. Like there's, there's a lot of conversation. And you might uh, know this yourself about what's most important. Is this, are we here to, do have a, to speak the gospel, to do evangelism, to preach, that kind of thing? Are we here to do works of mercy, what's the most important, how do these fit together, that kind of thing. There was even a whole article that was just a list of other articles that you could go to to read about this topic. Um, so, and here's, I pulled out a quote, um, and this is just, we're not going to get into all the all the particulars of this at all, um, but I do want to kind of read this to summarize kind of some of the things we're talking about um, so that the time we spend here this morning is actually effective and helpful. Uh, This one woman, her name is Tina Bosch, she summarized the two perspectives in this way. On the one hand, some assert that broad definitions of mission that encompass ministries of healing, justice, culture making, those are the everyday things that, that we would do, they erode a commitment to gospel proclamation, disciple making, and church planting. But on the other hand, some worry that defining mission too narrowly uh, that would be to just gospel proclamation of the ministry of the word reinforces an unhealthy divide between mission professionals and everyone else um, and unnecessarily dividing the two when it should be a multi-dimensional thing. So these are some of the how the how the some of the conversations has gone. Um, and I think when we think about this ourselves, that when we think about the idea of ministry and what we're called to do, that we would say, yes, like we are a Christian church, that the proclamation of the gospel, that people hearing the good news um, of you know relenting to Jesus as our King. Um, and becoming a Christian, being reunited with Christ, that that's, that's crucially important. 
But yet if we stop there, we have this sense that, but um, something's missing if there aren't legs on it. Like without the works to back it up or works of mercy, then that message in some way seems incomplete to us. And it should. And then on the other side, um, if we are to reduce um, our ministry works to just deed um, and creating some kind of a... um, an environment that is very merciful, it can become just uh, a means of doing personal or social therapy, but that actually neglects the eternal dimensions of what the gospel actually proclaims. So if we are to just do works of mercy and serve and never proclaim the good news that we've been handed through Jesus, that just doesn't seem right either. It seems like something's crucial is missing, and that relationship with Jesus that is crucially important um, is not giving testament the way it should. So we have said here, and to sum all this up, we've said that Red Mountain is going to accomplish our vision in word and deed. And that is a way of saying in a word that these two, that they are distinct, but they are inseparable. That you can't have one without the other. They're part of this one whole thing that we call um, Christian ministry that we have been we have been handed. Um, And we're not going to compromise on either one of them. Um, And I think what should give us pause when we have those feelings that something is missing when we do one or the other is to remember that we are a religion that that is centered around the incarnated Jesus Christ. That the one we serve that is the center of who we are is the eternal Son of God who came from heaven outside of our world and who came down to us as a gift But yet at the same time, he took on flesh, the earthly stuff. He took on a human body. And that is hard to understand how that can be. And it creates a paradox in a way. But if Jesus is our leader, if Jesus is our king, that's going to say something about our ministry that we go about too. That it might be difficult to reconcile at time, but both those things are crucially important. And I think that these things are difficult if we step back and we think about the story as a whole is that our whole world that we live in was made to be a world where the eternal, where God and the, the earthly, the creation, were married as in a marriage um, where they are united together. The spirit that creates, that create, through whom created all things, that, that God would walk amongst his creation that the two would be together as if married. And then what happened was when people rebelled against God, it is like heaven and earth became divorced. That the two that were made to be together were separated. And that it created drastic implications um, and heartache and hardship for life the way that it is. And so as we attempt to do ministry, we are doing it in this circumstance of where the effects of this divorce are still going. But we have also been given something very special, and that is through the gift of Jesus and through the gift of the Holy Spirit that he is able to give because of his victory over sin and death, then it is like the marriage between the two has come back together. That the Holy Spirit is the seal of the marriage between heavenly realities and earthly realities between God and new creation that has been sealed even now. And we are invited to live in that whole reality together. 
And we are still waiting for it to be consummated in the end when Jesus comes back. But even now, we have this gift of the Spirit that allows us and calls us into both sides. The Word, the revelation of God that brings eternal things to us. And the deed, that the life, the physical things of the earth that is reanimated with um, the life of the Spirit, particularly through people, um, that these are both part of our new reality. So that's a very long introduction, and I'm aware of that, and the rest of this will compensate, I promise you. So all that being said, we're going to go to Ephesians 4, because Ephesians 4, this is a point that's a change between where Paul talks about the good news of the gospel, and he starts to unpack the implications for that, particularly through the Spirit. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 16, and then I'll skip a section just for brevity and read 25 through 32, and we'll pick this up. This is God's Word. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that builds itself up in love. Skip down to verse 25 or flip over your page. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Your Father, help us as we learn from you, that what we learn would truly be from you. Uh, that you would be with my words and be with our hearts. That you would uh, teach us and you would grow us. And you would lead us to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, three quick points. We're going to look at the source of ministry, the shape of ministry, and then we're going to look at the means of ministry at the end. So the source of ministry, if you will look, 
uh, to start with. And this is, I just want to, I'm doing all these things not to answer, get in to answer any debate about what ministry should look like. These are foundational concepts about how we are to view um, ministry according to what Christ has done. And the first part about this, if you uh, grew up in Sunday school in any way, you probably anticipate that the source of ministry, the answer is probably Jesus. And you would be right if you thought that. But I want to, let me give a little bit of nuance and let's see how Paul talks about that. Look here um, in verse 8, after he talks about um, you know, the unity, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, uh, the grace given to each of us according to Christ's gift. And then he quotes this passage from Psalm 68, which was the passage that we had just read um, when we did our responsive reading earlier. He says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. And then in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And that might sound a little bit strange, um, but if we look at this in context, the psalm that Paul is quoting here is a military psalm. Um, This is a psalm about God as the warrior. Uh, We looked at the priesthood theme the first week, and we looked at him as kingship last week. And this is a variation on the kingship thing, and that is God as a warrior. And that is when his... um, Abode, his people were under threat that God um, marched out with um, armies, huge armies, and he defeated his enemies in battle and he brought back the spoils from the battle and he distributed the spoils of that to his people in a great and triumphant um, parade and joy of being given new gifts based on God's victory. And so what is... Paul is making a comparison here between that and between Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. And that is when human beings, when that separation between earth um, and heaven happened, even though it was our fault, that Christ came down and he entered the darkness and he took the brunt to himself and he paid the penalty for all of that sin and rebellion that caused the separation in the first place. And he rose again to new life. He rose again victorious, having putting all that away and created a new way by which people could actually be in relationship with God. In doing this, he defeated sin and death. He defeated all of the sinful powers. And he is able to give gifts back um, to his people. um, And we'll see in a little bit, in a way, to the creation itself. Um, as the victor and the great and victorious king. And this illustrates on the one hand that the source of our ministry, it comes from Jesus as an act of grace, of what he has done. Christ is the one who won the battle. Christ is the one who went, who descended in a place where nobody else could go. Christ is the one who won a victory that is valuable enough that um, it can actually bring life out of death. It all starts from Christ. It all starts from what Christ did and that gift that he has given to us. It doesn't start with um, a human initiative or a human action. But what's the character of this? The character of this, when we're thinking about uh, these gifts that are given, we're going to talk about the particulars in just a second in the next point. But this is the God who what he went after, uh, we see this here in all this language of Christ going into all things, and when we pick up the story of how God has been telling it from the beginning of time, 
Well, the thing that he defeated was this separation between heaven and earth. It was everything. It was all of the darkness. It was all the sinful powers. It was all the sin that is like a leech on God's good creation that held it hostage. So this is like through Christ's sacrifice and victorious resurrection from the dead, he moves in and he reclaims uh, the battle loot that was taken away, that was held in captivity, and he is giving it back to the people. That this is a movement of new creation through the Spirit. The creation that was lost, that was held hostage, has been reclaimed by Jesus. And so that he has the authority to give it back not just in particular ways, but in a way that fills all things till all things can be made new. And this is like, if you've, uh, there was a good sermon without a Lord of the Rings illustration. But if you think about the Hobbit, um, you know, there, this whole region uh, was all of the wealth that belonged to the dwarves and elves and people in this whole region was being held hostage by Smaug, the dragon. And the whole story is about uh, this group who went and defeated Smaug, uh, and, and there's just this great scene at the end where having the dragon been defeated, all of this loot, this loot that was gone is now able to be redistributed among this whole community so that the whole community has a taste of what it was like before. So we see here the source of ministry that it is from Jesus, and it can only be from Jesus. It cannot be from our own efforts But the character of this, too, that if that's the case, that means that what Jesus is recreating stops nowhere short of making all things new. If his victory included all things, this gift of what he is doing is creation-wide. And that's going to have drastic implications, as we'll see here in a little bit. Um, So that being said, Jesus, and this this is particularly important when we think about the ministry of the Word and deed, and that without Jesus... If we are to go about ministry without Jesus, without the life of the Spirit that He can give, it is like trying to, if you ever had a flat kickball or basketball and you try to reshape it in the way that it's supposed to be, uh, you can do it a little bit and it's kind of lumpy. But what you need is the air. You need the air in the middle that gives it the life that it's supposed to have. And this is kind of like the Spirit. That without the heavenly um, entrance of the eternal things through Jesus... Uh, the gift of His Spirit, that any human effort without that, um, it is not of eternal value. It's missing something very, very important. But at the same time, as we'll see, the implications of this are creation-wide and that they can never be reduced down um, to just a ministry of the Word that doesn't have an effect into all of life. So let's move on. That's the source of ministry. The source of ministry is through Jesus and his gift that will have an effect throughout the whole creation. The shape of ministry, what does that mean? So if that being said, Paul goes through here and he unpacks several things. And we get several examples of what ministry can look like. In the first place, he says, In some he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry. And this is important. And these are all teaching gifts. And the things that he says here in the very first place is that the teaching, the proclamation of the word, is actually a very important part of the life that we do as a church. Um, That we have a learning faith. 
And that is the proclamation of the gospel actually connects us with the heavenly realities, the transcendent God through Jesus. That without that, um, then we are left with trying to do life without um, the influence and the power of the creator that gives life in the first place. And the proclamation of the word connects us um, with that. It leads us to Jesus so that we might believe in him and we might know him more. However, an interesting thing it says here, even though he gives this, he gives particular gifts for the teaching, the building up of the body. Who is doing the works of ministry? It's not just these guys. And that there's the gift of this ministry of the word, but the whole purpose of this is that the whole body would be equipped so that it would do the works of ministry. And that is this proclamation of the word, it cannot stop at just that. It cannot stop at just the head. It cannot stop at just knowing things. But that these truths that we are given, they actually build us up and equip us in a certain way to take hold of ministry and life um, as a gift and actually to work it, to undertake the works of ministry, um, to see it grow um, and, and to see it develop in every way. And so if we keep, if we take that and we keep going on further, we start seeing this language of, um, based on that, the ministry of the word and the learning, that the whole view of that is every gift, is every joint with which is it equipped, every part working, working properly in a diverse kind of way. And then if you'll skip down and see what some of this includes, um, he, Paul gets more and more and more and more practical in what some of these can mean. Um, and what this um, this new life given by the Spirit, what it kind of what it produces in people. Um, there's this ability now um, for reconciliation. There's ability for unity. There's an ability for combating temptation. There's um, an ability to be kind and to forgive and be tender-hearted towards one another. But take notice of what the here is in the middle. In verse 28, it says, "Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor." doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You see what he puts here? In the middle of this context where he's talking about this in the works of ministry and the gifts given towards that, what he has in view for all of this to do is not just a vocational ministry kind of idea, but this is new life being created where there used to be death. And if you think of a thief, this is a thief who used to work in a way that just brought death, that took things from other people, that harmed relationships, um, that harmed um, the way that God made the world to function, who through this new gift of the gospel, this new life that has been given to him in this work of the Spirit, is rather than that, is able to be remade so that he's actually contributing to the good um, of of the creation, of everything around him where, where he has been put, rather than taking, able to give. And this is also in a vocational sense, that this is like from everyday working environment, um, that the new life given by Jesus has an effect. It has an effect on our work. It has an effect on our workplace. It brings life into every corner of the creation, everywhere. This is not just a work of professional ministers who are just called to evangelize and to preach the gospel, that this is a comprehensive new life new creation that is given by the Spirit that has an effect in every single corner. This means that changing diapers is important. 
and it is not um, something to be regretted. This means that friendships built with each other, community, time spent together, is important. This means justice and equity in the workplace is important. All these things are part of the new life that is being worked out in the Spirit. And when we think of ministry, we think of equipping each joint of the body where it has been put, in each neighborhood, in each workplace, in each family, those kinds of things to be made new so that the new creation reality might be proclaimed, that it might be lived in, that the gift might be taken and enjoyed, and that it might be spread out. That dominion over creation that was lost would be re-injected through God's people, through the gift of the Spirit, so that God's name might spread out and it might be known everywhere and in everything. The shape of ministry is very diverse. It is as diverse as the people who are here in in this room. It doesn't discount in any way the ministry of the Word at all. But what we are proclaiming in the Word is actually a new reality that we have been called into in Jesus. And just to illustrate this, if somebody gave you, um, let's just, let's pretend that we're poor and somebody incredibly rich were to just show up and say that uh, you are now adopted into their family and here's the key to the mansion and here's the uh, bank card to everything that is mine, um, that, that's great. That would be really good news. It would be insane to not live in it and to not use it. We would never think about dividing that relationship being formed and the news of that coming to us of how that would happen and not living in the reality that it creates. And that's an imperfect illustration, but it's showing us in here the new creation reality includes these acts of service, these acts of love that are restored to the people that were once lost, that were now given back. And so the word and the deeds that we do, they reflect the new creation reality that we have been handed by Jesus and that even now, through the Spirit, we are able to participate in. We are able to live in the new creation reality even now through the Holy Spirit. That's the shape of ministry. It is a calling that is put on all of us, that sees Christ as the true source, but that it is worked out in every way according to how we are made with every sense of gifts, even the most mundane things in our lives, our lives of taking the good news that we have from Jesus and being remade so that our dominion, our original purpose would be spread out, that God's name would be known everywhere. And that the new creation will be seen and it would be able to be experienced even beyond um, our community here. That sounds great, doesn't it? Um, Here's the issue. Here's the last point. There are two kinds of hows. Um, We can use the word how in two ways. One, there's the hows and what are we going to do? As in what are we called to do? And then there's another sense of how. Is a how in the world are we going to do that? Like, with what means and with what strength are going to, we going to undertake this work? And so that's this last question. What is the means of ministry? And I just want to point out a few things to this. Um, as we think about this, as we try to apply it to our own sphere, 
as we contemplate um, the particulars and the applications of what ministry might mean for us as a body and for us individually as we are spread out um, into our own context. And that is this. If we're talking about ministry in the Spirit, we are talking about a ministry that is done by grace that points us back to the cross at every single turn. What the Bible teaches about the Spirit is that this is not some extra power that we can tap into so that everything can be perfect, that we'll be successful and we'll feel good about everything that we, that we undertake, and we're going to see just so much fruit um, according to our own eyes and how we view things. What the Spirit does primarily is it points us to Jesus and to the cross. It enlightens us to who we really are. It enlightens us to how far we are actually away from living in this reality. How much we contribute to death far more often than we contribute to life. But there, it reveals to us Jesus Christ, who is the true victor, who has already defeated sin and death at every corner. And so it is him who is able to cover us in his grace and to give us his good news and his hope as a gift. Not as a self-worked thing, but as a given thing. Our hope of what Christ will do in us and through us is a gift that comes from Jesus. Not by us, but by grace. And I would tell you, like, the works of ministry, I know that you all know this in your own unique ways, and you could tell us about this. It can be discouraging in a lot of ways. Um, it can, when we look at the church, it can be very discouraging. I think we've mentioned this every, you know, uh, every sermon to this point, um, that there's always a mixture of good things and hope, and there is a mixture of bad things that feels like we're just not getting anywhere. And that this idea of a new creation is just a far off thing that is more like a dream than a reality. But this is an undertaking where just as we are, that we as a church, were bought by a price and given a gift by Jesus. That we, the church of Jesus Christ, that he actually calls his bride. That just as we are, that he clothes us in Jesus in white and makes us acceptable to God in a way that he is delighted to call us his own. To give us the gift that he has in every way and to work through us in just as way, the way that he has intended. Our sin is harmful in every way, but it can never undo the cross. It can never undo the mission of what God is intending to accomplish through us. That this is a ministry that we do by grace, and where we are discouraged, we are led back to the cross. But this is also a grace that invites us to participation. I'm going to leave you with an illustration. That this is a... We could take that and say, then nothing I do matters. If this is a work of grace, we'll just continue to do whatever we have been doing. We'll just stop being discouraged and we'll look to Jesus. And that would be like this. So some of you might, to, might be able to relate, but one of the most uh, tense times in Lauren and my day is the time when I get home after work. Because I pull up to the, to the door and I'm tired. And Lauren is waiting for me to pull up to the door because she is tired because we have a lot of little kids. And there is many a day 
as much as I love my kids to death, I pull up and I stop in the car and I breathe and I pray that God would help me to be a father to my kids in that moment. And I could do this. I know, you know, more times than I would like to admit, this is probably not going to go well when I walk in that door. Like, maybe I have a good day. I know there's a bad day coming right after that. And I could say that thankfully, Jesus is their true father and he's my true father. His grace covers me, so I'm good. So I'm just going to walk in that door and whatever happens, happens. And we're just going to leave it there. That would not be right. What grace allows us to do is to participate in God's work, to lean into the new creation, to take risks. It allows me as a dad to pray and say, you know what? I might blow it as soon as I walk in that door. That is very likely. But I have been given a gift of new creation by the Holy Spirit. My works are not what define me, and I am able to walk in there and leaning on Jesus to the best of my ability to actually try to be a good dad. And when I fail, I come back and do the same thing next day. You see, this the grace of Jesus is an invitation into something that is actually risky, but it is also wonderful. It is a work that can't fail. It is a work through which at every turn we will actually meet Jesus, and we will get to know more about what he is like, and it is ultimately not a work about us. There is hope in this work because... Christ is the source of our ministry. He is our king. He is, a, he is our victor. And if that is true, we are invited to join him on that road um, in every way that we can think, every way that we can will, every way we can do anything that we can do, spanning to the whole creation. And that is something we need help to do. So let's stop there uh, and let's pray uh, that the Lord would help us to do that. Dear Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus. Um, Thank you for the cross and for the gift of the Holy Spirit through whom you have made whole a relationship that was wholly broken. We pray that you would humble us, that we would be enabled to look to Jesus and take confidence in the cross in a way that would actually pull us out of ourselves to undertake the works that you have called us to do. That is something that we cannot do on our own, and we need you to do that in us and work that in us. And so we're asking that you would help. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.